Matthew, you there yet? Matthew chapter 28. We've been teaching for several Wednesday nights on what we were calling reality checks. And the purpose of all this is to keep us as Pentecostals, because we're a Pentecostal church, to keep us grounded in reality. We're all for a move of the Spirit. We're all for the gifts of the Spirit. But let's not forget about reality. That is boots-on-the-ground Christianity. I've been spirit-filled now since 1996. That means I've been a tongue-talker for 26 years, and I've run in almost every flavor of Pentecostalism there is. And the one thing they all lack is stability, discipline, structure, and order. And it shouldn't be that way, because when I read about the early church, they were spirit-filled folks. They spoke in tongues, cast out devils, healed the sick, raised the dead on occasion. You don't see them weird. You see them organized. You see them disciplined. You see them structured. But somehow, in postmodern America, Christians get the Holy Spirit, and everything becomes mystical. So we decided we would do this series of teaching on reality checks and bring things back to boots-on-the-ground Christianity. Because revivals come and revivals go, and it's easy to serve God in revival, but what will you do when the revival is gone? And it's just you and your Bible and your God. No move of the Holy Ghost, no revival fire, no hooping and hollering, running and dancing and crisscrossing the country. What will you do when it's back to, I was raised Southern Baptist, back to Baptist Christianity? Boots on the ground, get up, go to work, be a good witness, bring home a paycheck, budget that money, live beneath it, pay your taxes, pay your tithe, care for your kids, have some savings, have some investments, and do it again next week, and do it again the week after that, do it again, and be in church. That's reality. That's boots-on-the-ground Christianity. But at the same time, there are other things we have to keep in mind as charismatic, Pentecostal, word of faith, tongue-talking, spirit-filled, whatever you want to call us. We have to be mindful that there are things we have to do because God's not going to do them for us. We are not of the doctrinal persuasion of determinism or even what I call hyper-predestination, hyper-Calvinism, which is God's going to do everything. So that means because I don't see that in the scripture anyway, I see the Christian having responsibility and I see the Christian having authority. The fact that we have a commission from Jesus Christ means we have a responsibility. The fact that Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14 and John chapter 15 and John chapter 16, we have the six uh, paracletical teachings of Christ. There are six things the Holy Spirit will do in our life and it means he wants to help us, but it, none of them say he's going to do them for us. He's going to help us do, but we have to do. So that comes back to our responsibility. And so I'm reminded of, I met a couple years ago with a Calvinist couple, and I don't mean a dog Calvinist. I flirted with that doctrine for a while, but it made me so depressed. I thought, wow, there's no joy in that. Uh, great couple. They were headed to a foreign country, and they were meeting with me. We actually support them as a ministry, just to show you we're not biased. We support a lot of folks from different denominational flavors as long as they're preaching the gospel, winning the lost. I don't care what your other flavor is. But as they sat down with me, they were sitting down with churches, meeting with them, and I felt this, um, as they're sitting in my office, I felt this permission. They, they came and sat at my feet because they knew I did a lot of missionary work, and they were wanting to kind of glean things from all the other pastors before they launched out on this mission trip. So they were sitting in my office wanting to know what I could offer to help them for their mission trip, their mission work. They were moving, taking their kids to another country. So I knew where they were from, so I knew they were Calvinists. And again, that's predestination, that everything happens because God wants it to happen. And if it doesn't happen, it means God didn't want it to happen, which if you take that to the next logical degree, it means every sin is the will of God because it happened. And you know how that sounds ludicrous. 
So I asked them, what's your, what's your doctrine of demonology? And they said, what? I said, what's your doctrine of demonology? They said, we, we don't have a doctrine of demonology. I said, you don't know anything about demons? Well, no, I, I don't guess so. And the husband began to write down the word, I guess, demonology. I mean, I think that's kind of foundational doctrine. If you're going to go be a missionary, you should have at least a doctrine of what you're about to go stir up. And so I said, okay, um, demonology is the teaching of demons, the study of demons in the Bible, and we know that they're real. Paul said we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but we, we do wrestle with principalities and powers of might and dominion, spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. I said, okay, so you don't have a doctrine of demonology. What are you going to do if you're awakened? Or I said, what, first I gave two examples. What are you going to do if you're in a meeting and someone manifests a demon and they're growling and hissing and cussing at you? And the wife spoke up first. She said, well, I'm going to ask God for help. I said, well, that's a good place to start. And then what are you going to do? I guess ask God for help. We covered that. What are you going to do then? Well, I, I don't know. I said, all right, you have no doctrine for demonology then, unfortunately. Let me help you. You lay hands on that person and you command the demon to come out. Because if you don't command the demon to come out, it's not going to come out. Now, you could tell that was a hard sell to the Calvinist. No, no problem. I said, okay, another example. I said, what, because this is a true story here, what I'm about to tell. I just related it to them as an uh, example. I said, what are you going to do if you're awakened at 2 a.m. with a wicked presence in your house and you're drawn to your child's bedroom and they're in there and there's a demon choking your child to death? And they said, I don't know. And I said, and you're going to have your tail handed to you by the enemy. So now I had them enthralled because it, it never crossed their mind. I good, good people. I give them mad props because they've sold everything, gone to language school to learn a language, and it's been a two- or three-year process to get them. If they were a charismatic, they'd have considered it a closed door and wouldn't have gone in the first place because it has taken them three years from the time they sat down with me to get to that country they're in now. They said, all right, we don't have a doctrine. I said, no, you don't. So I began to teach them about how to cast this demon out and how you have authority and dominion. And if you don't do anything about it, nothing's going to get done. It, it, it stretched their little Calvinistic doctrine. And I reminded them, we have a great commission that says, These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. First sign, they shall cast out devils. But that's authority. So our bigger subject for the last six, eight weeks in this subject called reality check is, what is our dominion? And what's our authorization? Now, the demon realm, that's, a, that's, a, that's an extreme example. But if you can understand that as New Testament believers, you have authorization, not just in the natural, but in the spirit realm, it will cause you to look at everything differently. If you don't grasp the concept of domain, that is territory, and then dominion, which is the authorization you have in that domain, you're going to be a victim and tossed to and fro all of your life. And you kind of learn this when you grow up. Your parents tell you, stay in our yard. Don't go to the neighbor's yard. You don't have permission. That is basic teaching of domain and authority. That's not your domain. You have no authorization to go over there. Don't go into your sister's room. Don't touch her toys. That's her domain. You're not authorized. So you stay in your room or you get spanked. Stay out of mama's room. Quit putting on mama's shoes. Quit playing with your brother's toys. We, we get taught this. We, I don't know if we realize that as we grow, our domain and our authorization only expands. 
And we've used the example that you even live in it and operate in it every day on your job, that you go to your job, that's your domain, and your boss, your boss has authorized you to do certain things on that job. And you understand in the natural, if you exercise excellent authority and use that authority to accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish in that domain, it brings promotion. If you go to your job and you don't do what you're authorized to do and your domain is squandered, you will see demotion. This is exactly how the spirit realm works because it is a reflection of the spirit realm. So here you're in Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The word power there is the word for authority. It isn't miracle-working power. It is authority, authorization. It implies a domain. He said, All power and authority is given unto me. Now, if you will remember... In the temptations of Christ, right after his baptism, Lucifer, the final temptation, takes the Lord Jesus and shows him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The kingdoms, the principalities of the world. He shows the Lord the kingdoms, the domains. Those are all spiritual domains having demons over them because they are principalities. And Satan tells Jesus, behold, all of this is mine all these kingdoms of the world. All of this is mine, and I can give it to whoever I want to, and I will give it to you if you will bend your knee and worship me. Remember that temptation? And Jesus knew it was an offered and tempted shortcut because that is what he had come to reclaim, the kingdoms of the world. Now, Jesus does not rebuke Satan for being a liar. It was not a lie. If it had been a lie, he'd have said, Get thee behind me, for it is written, Thou shalt not lie. It wasn't a lie. Jesus was hearing truth from Satan. That's something you need to understand about the demon realm. Yes, they speak lies, for they're the father, but not everything they tell you is a lie. Sometimes, even in the Gospels, Jesus would cast out a devil, and he'd say, What's your name? He'd say, Well, my name's Legion. Jesus didn't say, You're lying. He's asking questions because he wants answers, and they're speaking the truth. We're, my name's Legion, for we are many. We know who you are, the Holy One of Israel. Was that a lie? No. So there's a false charismatic doctrine in demonology that says Satan can speak nothing but lies. That's not accurate. It's demonstrable from the Gospels that most of what they said to Jesus was truth. But they do lie. And when they talk to you to convince you of something, they're lying to you. So anyway... So what Satan is telling Jesus there in Matthew, Mark's and, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel is not a lie. Those were his kingdoms. They'd been given to him, and he'll give them to whoever he wants to. So now after the resurrection, remember Jesus said, Behold, all power has been given unto me. I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That's the keys to the kingdom. That's Matthew 16. Remember that? The keys of the kingdom. And he says, All authority has been given unto me. Okay, well, what are you going to do with it, Lord? The Lord says, now you go. Next verse says, you go. Why? Because he's extended his authorization to us now. Authorization in those spirit realms. Not to be spooky, because I really want to move off this demonology thing. That's the very thing I'm trying to get us away from, is a spooky mysticism, charismatic. 
But I want you to see why we have this dominion. Jesus Christ purchased it for us. This is why Satan is under our feet. This is why every name that is named shall bend before Jesus Christ. It's why we have the authority to cast out devils. That's why the commission in Mark 16 says, These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. Why can we do that? Because we have authorization now. We want to make sure we're mindful everywhere we go. Our life is a result of us knowing our domain and us knowing our authorization in that domain. It would be hard-pressed to come up with an example where you get in trouble and the trouble you got into was not a violation of domain and authorization. When your kids get in trouble for back-talking, they are talking bigger than their authorization and bigger than their own domain. Is that accurate? Many a parent has said, sweetie, let me remind you, I made you, you will never be equal to me, and you will never talk to an adult like that. They're in trouble because they lost track of their domain and their authorization. Your domain is beneath me, sweetie, because I am your father, and you are not authorized to talk to me like an equal. Same with your job. You never get fired for staying in your domain and maximizing what you're authorized to do. When you get pulled over, it's because you are exceeding your authorization. You're authorized to do 65, not 95. And you passed into a police officer's domain, exceeding your authorization. His domain and authorization exceeded you, and you got pulled over. And if you put up any more lip, you're going to appear before the magistrate because now you've violated two domains. It's hard to find any sin and any form of demotion where you have not violated domain and authorization. That's why this is such a critical teaching. When you go to college, your domain is the classroom you're signed up for. You're authorized to study, take notes, and pass the class. If you flunk out of college, it's because you failed domain and authorization. When your class is in session, your domain is in session. It's not at home playing Xbox. Why would you spend 20 grand a semester to skip class? Makes no sense to me. What a waste of money and a poor steward of God's time and money. But you'll flunk, and the reason you flunk is because you failed domain and you failed authorization. You, you, I don't think there's anything you can throw at me that I couldn't show you from some perspective how it had everything to do with understanding domain and authorization. We coast through life operating on this intuitively, not recognizing the laws we're either checking or unchecking. If you're, some of you are, don't care, some of you are too young, some of you are too old. But back in my day of video games, you had a lot of first, uh, a lot of side-by-side -side fighters, and you had special combo moves. And when you weren't good at those games, you just moved the joystick around a lot and just did this. And every once in a while, you just pull off some super move and beat the little kid who's beat everybody on two dollars. I've been to many arcade when I was in high school. <laughs> That's like most Christians operating in the rules of domain and authority. They just go through life like this. And every once in a while, something works for them. And they think, praise God, he's so good to me. And the Lord's like, if you'd read my Bible and pay attention to your pastor, you wouldn't sweat as much, you wouldn't waste as much of energy, and you'd hit those power moves a lot more regularly. You'd back up, you'd move forward, you'd curve the bottom and hit A, B. And it would take no energy at all. And you'd just wipe out everybody in line. In my day in the arcades, there was always a cue 
to play the popular game. And you'd stand around and you'd ask, it's a really cool social culture, who's next? Can I get in? And you'd throw your quarter in and, and play whoever's been there beating 20 people for the last hour off the original quarter. When you learn the moves of God, if we can call it that, you're not going to break a sweat. You're not going to waste 100 bucks trying to beat a game. But too many Christians are sitting there going, it's got to work. It's got to work. This just doesn't work. No. You're a little spastic. You're a little lawless. You're a little unfocused. You're not very faithful, and you're very inconsistent. And that's why it doesn't work for you. Because if you can slow down, what's my domain, and what am I authorized to do here, then you can win very quickly no matter what it is. That's why I've taught you for years, when you go to take a job, you tell that HR person, there's nothing you do here that I can't master in six months. This is my domain. I'm authorized to work. I'm a smart person. I'm not lazy. I can do anything you do, and I'll master it in six months. Amen. And go with that kind of confidence. But on the flip side, what we're recognizing is people don't even realize their marriage is their domain. And because they don't recognize their marriage is their principal domain, they don't ever use any of the authority to keep it full of peace, to keep it full of love, to keep it full of romance, to keep it full of compassion. They, they, they totally forget it's their responsibility. They blame the other person for punching holes in their boat when they're punching holes in their boat too like a moron. Only morons shoot the ship they're floating in. Help me, help me. You're calling out the tugboats going past your life. Help me, pray for me. Boom. Pray for me. Boom. I can't get to you fast enough, and I'm not getting in that boat with you. Sink. Because nobody can help you. That's your domain. Amen. Same with your job. I don't know why I got laid off. Ask the boss. How were your last five uh, uh, evaluations? Was he having to correct you over the same 10 things? Because if so, you were failing your domain, and you weren't using the authorization you were given by your boss on that domain. Our life has been promoted as far as we've been faithful over our domain. And as Americans, we always want the next domain, but we don't want to be faithful over the current one. We always want more money, but you're not faithful over the money you've been given. We always want a better life, but we've not mastered the life we currently have. And I've pastored long enough to watch people circle the same mountain, and the only thing that changes is the condition of their skin. And the condition of their joints, because both of those age. And nothing about their soul changes, nothing about their quality of life changes, nothing, nothing, nothing. They just age being the same person they were when they first got saved. And that's not what God wants. If we can understand this concept of domain and authority, it's going to help us in every arena of life. So to review, because we're kind of hitting all over the place tonight. As you grow up, you recognize your body and your head, your ears, in between your ears, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your first domain, and that's what you're authorized to take care of first. One of the first things mama tells the kids is keep your hands to, oh, that's domain and authorization. You have a domain. That's you. You are authorized to keep your hands to yourself. You're not authorized for your hand to go across that elbow rest in the back seat. If your hand goes across that elbow rest, that's the demilitarized zone, and we will have a tactical weapon strike. You know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, mom would say, don't make me pull this car over. And she never would. They'd just start slapping. They'd hit everybody. Grab your head, your brother's head, put it in the 
put it in the line of fire. Oh, you got me, mama, you got me. And she smacked your brother <laughs> because you violated your domain and you violated your authorization. Now, as you grow up, your parents tell you, teach you, don't think those thoughts. Don't let those words come out of your mouth. They, they teach you how to get a hold of your emotions. Boy, dry that up or I'll give you something to cry about. You learn right quick. You didn't have authorization to cry like that over whatever that matter was. There's always a time to cry, but parents have to teach you what's cry worthy and what's not cry worthy, what's laugh worthy and what's not laugh worthy. So you're learning domain and authorization, but are we really catching it? If we did really catch it, we would start perfecting things in our life. So God's so merciful. He lets us learn it from the time we're about six months old, and he's hoping we catch it every stage of life. And the thing you have to understand is that you never run out of domain and you never run out of things to fix with your authorization. If you get lazy for one moment, things fall apart in your domain. And if things fall apart in your domain, God's not giving you any more. You get to fall back to that last domain and spend time there till it's fixed. If, as we've used, the Garden of Eden was man's first domain, it had a gate, so it was literally cordoned off. It was an acreage. We don't know how big it was, but there was a gate. And when they lost their domain because of rebellion, they were kicked out and an angel was put there to guard the thing with a two-edged sword on fire that spun in every direction. They were put there to learn dominion and authorization. And once we are born into the earth, we begin to learn the same process. And the more God trusts us, the more he gives us. Adam was put in that garden to keep it and to tend it. That is, to make sure everything was taken care of. Our life is a garden as well. And our job is to keep it pruned and to keep it irrigated. And if we ever neglect it, weeds take over very rapidly. And God's not going to move you on to the next level because you've neglected the garden that he currently gave you. And this is still important to him too. So go back and tend the garden of your marriage, tend the garden of your parenting, tend the garden of your physical health, tend the garden of your parenting, tend the garden of your uh, intimacy, tend the garden of your career. Uh, there's a minister friend. Of, I wouldn't say he's a friend of mine. He's a friend of a friend. I've met him, talked to him a little bit. This ministry, we'll call him associate, this ministry acquaintance of mine, I just got word that because he had neglected several areas of his life, he had a mental breakdown he nearly died of a near heart attack. He's a little bit younger than me. And uh, basically he's had to all but completely withdraw from ministry because he, he had so extended himself beyond his domain. He had so extended himself beyond his authorization that he was out. He was running out of the grace of God. He was out of God's permission, doing a work, wondering why it wasn't working. And so I just talked to a friend of mine who's very close with him. I said, hey, I heard about our friend here. Uh, it sounds like he's greatly humbled and nearly died. He said, yeah, he was nearly killed. He said, I've had to work very hard to get him into a mental health expert and to get him the medical help he needs. And the whole problem was this minister lost track of his domain and was operating an authorization beyond his, his realm. Now, that's the equivalent of... Uh, me barging into Kale and Kylie's marriage and start telling them what to do. That's none of my business. Their home is their home. Now, if they bring it to me, I can pass to them, but I don't go to their house and tell them what to do. It's like me going across the street to Pastor Scott's church and telling him how to run it when he's never invited me. 
you understand this in your own terms because you don't go to somebody else's job and work their job. Some of you barely show up for your job and work your job. Why would I go to somebody else's job? I don't even want to do my job. You have to make a note of everything in your life that is your domain. Maybe, maybe let's do that right now. I'll do it with you. Let's do, let's do classroom setting. I, I'm a little bit professorial at times. I like to help us. What's the point of preaching if all you do is take notes and don't change? So let's make a list here. Maybe at the top of your paper, you call it my personal domains. So we'll help you. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck here. This might help all of us. I'm going to do it myself. My personal domains. Because remember, Jesus Christ said, maybe the only scripture we get to tonight, Jesus said, I have been given all power in heaven. That's the heavenlies. That's not heaven, heaven. God's always ruled there. Jesus had authority when he was there. That heaven is the second heavens. If you know anything, there's three heavens. There's the firmament over the earth and this principality. Then there's the heavens of God. There's three heavens there. Anyway, space, atmosphere, space, and the heavens. Anyway, this power in heaven and earth is power over the earth and power in the earth. Jesus never lacked power or authority in the domain of God. So I think we get that. This authority has been given to us now. In, we're in the earth. We don't live in the heavenlies unless you're an airplane pilot. And then you have to land. <laughs> So I would say, number one, your two domains are your brain. How about your mind and your body? Your mind and your body. That's number one. So let's judge there. Let's stop for a second. We're kind of reviewing because it's vacation Bible school week, and we have a thin crowd tonight, so the others can get this and listen to it. That's your domain. That's the most immediate domain that you have. Your mind is your mind. It's nobody else's mind. You should have a closed mind. Don't let... Uh, the progressives tell you a closed mind is a dangerous thing. There was a bumper sticker that I saw years ago. It says, minds are like parachutes. They only work when they're open. And I thought, no, minds are like screen doors. If you open them too wide, all the bugs get in. You let the neighbor possum in. Oh, minds are like screen doors. You better have a filter on that thing. Your mind, that's why we also, we don't go to hypnotists because you don't give your mind to anybody. Hypnotism is demonic. It's Americanized Western juju. You don't fool with hypnotism. Only a fool plays with hypnotism. You'll pick up a demon. But your mind is yours to control. You tell it to shut up. You tell it what to think. You cast down vain imaginations. That's your responsibility. I can't do it for you. I can do it for my kids and say, listen, we don't think that way. You tell that to shut up, sweetie. But then if she doesn't do it or if my son doesn't do it, I can't do it for him. All I can do is pray and teach. Pray that they'll do it and teach that they'll catch my teaching. So the other thing is your body. Well, let's back up. So you got your mind. Where does your mind stand? Have you been using the author, authority and the authorization Jesus Christ has given you to bring into captivity every thought? Is your mind at peace? Is your mind, does your mind sit still when you're looking out a window or is it always squirrely on something? What's the one thing that torments your mind? What's the vain imagination that runs through your mind? Are you always wanting to fight? Are you always wanting to cry? Are you always jealous? Are you always paranoid? Are you always fretful? You have to get a hold of your mind. When you're at still, when you're at peace, even your soul should be at peace. That is the fruit of a, a mind held under its authorization. Because there's a lot of unauthorized thoughts that want to run through your mind, your will, and your emotions that you have to do something about. Yeah. Amen. And then your body. How's your body doing? 
Do you feed it anything it wants, anytime it wants? Do you let it look at anything it wants, anytime it wants? Are you healthy? I've told you as your pastor, I don't care what you look like. I really don't. I'm not married to you. I just want you healthy. Now, I'm a guy. Every guy has a certain thing they like. My wife is exactly what I like. So she's healthy. I don't care what your shape is. Everybody likes something a little different. My concern is for your health. We know Americans are 30% obese, and it's rising every year. Childhood obesity now is one in five kids are clinically obese, and obese children are a reflection of their parents. Children are a reflection of their parents' appetites. All right? So what you've got to do is judge yourself. That's your next domain, your body. But as goes your mind, so goes your body. All right? How about, that's our next domain. That's one, that's point one. The next domain extends beyond that. So maybe we'll say relationships. And we could spend a whole month of Sundays on relationships, but we won't. We'll just do this tonight. Relationships, that's marriage. That's kids. That's your next authority, authorization. I don't have any authority over Pastor Caleb and Miss Tiffany's marriage. I don't have any authority over Marlon's marriage or the Baldwin's marriage. All I can do is pastor. What goes on in their marriage is between them and God, and they better make sure it's got God all over it. How they talk to each other has to be submitted to God. How they prefer one another has to be submitted to God. But our relationships are the next domain of our life. And if we don't use the authority we've been given, that domain will fall apart. Think of a domain as a garden with a wall around it for protection. What are you letting in your mind? What are you letting in your body through your eyes or your mouth? What are you letting in your marriage through thoughts, through attitudes, through harsh words spoken or encouraging words spoken? What are you letting into the garden of your relationships? How are you treating your kids? Do you even spend any time with your kids to say you've treated them anyway? Kids are programmed by God to want to be with their parents all the time. Hopefully none of you have burned that bridge by saying, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. They want to be with you, but you, you sear that enough, they won't want to be with you anymore, and you'll wonder where they went. Well, they went where you told them to. Go away. I'm too busy. They'll eventually catch the message, and they won't want to be with you. So your relationships, that's the next domain. Study your Bible to know the authorization you've been given in that domain. What's your next domain? Probably your job. We'd say job, career. If you're a stay-at-home mom, that's still a career. And... Every Mother's Day, all sorts of articles are released showing how much stay-at-home moms are really worth. It's always way over six figures because they run about 40 jobs any given week from caretaker to chef to masseuse to medic to psychologist to warden to chauffeur to tutor. <laughs> There's a lot of jobs a mama does, and she isn't paid. a stay-at-home mom and she's not paid anything. So don't think about, well, I don't have a job. No, no. If you're a stay-at-home mama, that's a tremendous asset to the kingdom. But you've got to figure out what are you authorized to do in that domain, which is your home, your family, your brood. Uh, the scriptures have to help mothers in that regard because it says, don't be a busybody. What's a busybody? Somebody that looks over their garden fence into the neighbor's yard. In the garden, fence into the neighbor's marriage, or they look across the pew to their sisters in Christ, that marriage. You know what you should do over there? We don't care. Go fix your own garden. Don't tell me what to do. Get the weeds out of your own tomato plants. 
before you start judging my tomato plants. So figure out on your job, if you've been there six weeks, you should know what the domain is and what you're authorized to do. When I worked at Lowe's, I was inside lawn and garden. That was my domain. I was not plumbing. I was not housewares. I was not lighting. I was not electrical. I was not carpet or whatever that thing was. I wasn't a cashier. I wasn't outside lawn and garden. My domain was inside lawn and garden, and they taught me very quickly, this is what you do while you're here. You stock shelves. You help customers. That's really about it. If you can master that in a week, we'll move you up. I thought a week, I'll master that in five minutes. What else do you got for me? Because I'm going to get bored here real quick. But you can't move beyond your domain until they give you permission. Otherwise, you're illegal. Moving beyond your domain makes, without permission is illegal. Even to move between most nations, you have to have permission. Otherwise, it's illegal. And then once you do move, you're authorized. We are American citizens, or I would say most of us are. We'll just assume we are. We have lots of authority in this country, but we're limited in our authorization here. Just because I'm a U.S. citizen doesn't mean I get to go into the White House anytime I want. It doesn't mean I get to go see my congressional rep anytime I want. It doesn't mean I can go anywhere anytime I want. There are rules. So you have to know your domain and then what your authorization is in that domain. I was inside lawn and garden, but I wasn't the zone manager. The zone manager had more authorization within the same domain. So even in the domains, there is a pecking order and an increase of authorization. In my household, my son, Bud Bud, he's in the same domain I'm in, but he's not authorized, not even like his sisters are, because he's the youngest kid in the house. He's the runt. He's the bottom of the totem pole. But as he grows, we'll entrust him with more authorization. That's how the kingdom works. As the pastor of this church now, I don't pastor First Baptist. I don't pastor Stephen Street. I don't pastor Trinity. I don't pastor Life Church. This is my domain. And even here, I'm limited in my authorization. So hopefully you're understanding this because when it comes to authority, you're not given authority to sit and wait for somebody to do. Authorization comes for you to do. Too much of the time, we want to just collect authority and brag about what our authority is. But you and I, because authority is a stewardship, we will be judged by God for what we did with it. God gave us authority in our marriage. Did we make a beautiful marriage with it? The, most of the authorization we've been given is manifested through the mouth because we pray. And with your mouth, you can destroy your marriage. Like a foolish woman, Proverbs says, she plucketh down her home. Or with your mouth, you can build your marriage by declaring a thing, speaking a thing, proclaiming a thing. That's your authorization. You're not authorized to tear your marriage apart with your mouth. You'll be judged by God for it. You are authorized within the domain of your marriage to bless your marriage, to pray for your spouse, to encourage them, to speak words of grace and edification. And it may take a while to bail the water out of that thing you've been shooting holes in. The first thing you do when you pray is you plug those holes up. Because you can't bail water when there's holes in your boat. So quit shooting holes in your life with that loose, unrestrained, undisciplined mouth of yours. That mouth is a deadly viper. It's a deadly poison. James says to the believer, your mouth is set on fire of hell. (laughs) That's not very optimistic, is it? No. He says, "What what a great fire. What a great forest fire that little thing kindles. And surely it's set on fire of hell. So how about anytime, 
Maybe you should keep one of those water-based fire extinguishers in your household, and next time your spouse starts spewing hell, just shoot them in the face with water. Water. Shoot them in the face with water. Train them like you do a cat. Hey! Quit marking your territory with that hell. When I was in the dorms a long time ago, back in the good old days where you could be trusted to be lawless and not kill anybody, somebody said, you know you're in college when you see a sofa fall past your window on fire. Uh, that was my college experience. But we, in the dorms over here, I don't know why they did this. They were dumb. They had these giant fire extinguishers, stainless, silver. And we never messed with them growing up till you got to college. And then we learned, we heard a rumor that stainless steel fire extinguishers are not dry chemical or carbon dioxide. They're water-based. And we thought, well, let's test this theory because we'd never seen these massive stainless steel fire extinguishers. And sure enough, you take that thing off the wall and that thing was heavy. You pull the pin out of it and you kind of look at it. It says charge. It doesn't say water. So you're like, Let's just see if we can shoot something with it. Sure enough, that thing would shoot 30 or 40 feet with a lot of pressure. So what we began to do with it <laughs> is <laughs> we first, we kind of somehow conditioned everybody to keep their dorm rooms locked because they were, there's a lot of prankery going on. So you'd beat on the door, you'd hear it locked. So then you just stick that thing under the door and just hose it down. Just depress it and just spray the whole dorm room. And then you'd run, put that thing back on the stand by the men's restroom and go hide in another dorm room or hide on another floor. And then that wasn't enough fun when people would be using the bathroom and uh, covering their ankles and they couldn't get away fast enough. You'd just think of that thing, stick it under the, the, just hose them, just completely soak them in the toilet paper. Those were good times. I remember we, we, emptied, we emptied that extinguisher and I think somebody magically filled it up, which we thought, this is, this is great. It's like those propane tanks. You just drop it off, they give you another one full. So they must encourage this kind of behavior in the dorms. Nowadays, you can't even, you can't even miss you use a pronoun without getting threatened to get kicked out of college. Man, we were flooding dorm rooms. and It was good lawlessness. Things have changed in less than 30 years. Maybe you need one of those extinguishers in your mouth if you and your spouse are fools when it comes to your marriage covenant and you don't realize you are destroying the very thing that God said, let no man divide asunder. That was spoken first and foremost to husband and wife. Amen. That's your greatest domain. But the reason your marriage is a mess is because your head is a mess. Amen. And if you get a hold of your head, not your spouse's head, your head first, get a hold of your head first, then you can help your marriage. So know what your domains are. Maybe what's your next domain here? probably the kingdom. And of course, if you do all these things right, mind, body, relationships, marriage, kids, jobs, career, that glorifies the kingdom. And those things are an extension of the kingdom because God has blessed you. How many of you know you're blessed to have a mind? You're blessed to have a body because without it, you're dead and you're either in heaven or hell. You're blessed to have a marriage or to have a family. Even if you're not married yet, you have parents. Even if you're not married, you got friends or you got uh, siblings. That's a blessing. 
You're blessed to have a job, a career, what we call a purpose. All these things are an extension of the kingdom. But then we might bring it to the local church. So here in the local church, you have a domain. And the more domain you can get into, the more your life will prosper. And the more domain you can get into in the local church. Every Christian should be in the local church. If you're not in the local church, I don't know what you're doing. But in that local church, which is a domain, God will, if he'll prove you and trust you, he'll give you authorization, and that pro causes your life to come up. God has enough authorization and promotion for every Christian to come up in their life over and over and over and over and over again. And I fear for those who come into the kingdom and they never see promotion in their authorization. Either they don't know to seek after it or they don't know how to do it or they don't want it. We, of course, are living in this time where socialism is premier and the main voice of socialism is let somebody else do for you. So the whole spirit of socialism in this age is don't use any God-ordained authority in your life. Put it off on everybody else. And the devil will say, thank you, I want my kingdoms back. When all of a nation is on socialism, the devil has a kingdom back because that government will control those people and they won't know how to use the authority God's given them. One of the reasons Christianity produces freedom is because it puts authority in the hands of the individual. It puts authorization in their hands to make decisions for themselves. And that is why so much of this movement in our nation right now is why it's so demonic and antichrist. It comes under the heading of spiritual jurisprudence and church governments. Ecclesiology is really what it's under. And most Christians are so naive on everything. They just get caught up in a woke movement or political justice. They have no idea the demon they're playing with because they're not students of God's word other than now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. So we have to understand our domain and our authorization because Jesus Christ said, all authority has been given unto me. Now you go which means you do something. You come to church so you can be taught what to do. You come to church so you can have your strength refreshed. You come to church so you can be encouraged. But I don't go home with you. No apostle goes home with you. No prophet goes home with you. No preacher goes home with you. You have to go home and do. If you don't go home and do, you stay the same. Your notebooks get thicker, but you stay the same. So figure out what your kingdoms are, what your domains are. Go in every area and maybe as a homework assignment, if you'll take it, Figure out what you're authorized to do in each one of these. In your mind, you're authorized to cast down imaginations. In your body, you're authorized to put your flesh under. In your relationships, the Bible says so much about marriage and so much about parenting. On your jobs and your career, the Bible says a lot about your job and your career. In the kingdom, if any man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. Here's the office of a deacon. Here's the office of a pastor. Here's the office of a ministry of helps person. There's lots to be said. But the thing is, if you're always waiting for somebody to do for you, you are of no value to the kingdom with that mindset. Remember, Jesus asked the lame man at the pool, Bethesda, will you be healed? And he said, he was a socialist. I have no man to help me. That's a socialist mindset. I have nobody to help me. And Jesus didn't ask him, do you have help? He said, will you be healed? We're still dealing with that same issue today. Can you be delivered? I'm a victim. No, you're not. You're born again. Shut up. No matter what your victimology is, there's somebody close to you that's way worse in their past, and you'd never know it because they don't worship it like you worship yours. That man said, I have no man, and Jesus said, get up. That was the answer to I have no man. Get up. Arise. Take up your bed. 
The answer to any victim mindset is get up. The answer to any, it's so hard, is get up. Because you're not going anywhere laying down feeling sorry for yourself. He said, go ye therefore, verse 19. Look at, that's the Great Commission. Teaching all nations, baptizing them. Go to Mark 16. This will be our last verse. And then we're going to pray because we have to get this place empty for all the kids to start coming in here. Mark 16, verse 15. Go you into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. And the first sign is a demonstration of domain and authority. In my name shall they cast out devils. The very first sign of the believer is a, is a demonstration of domain. We have domain in the earth over what? All the works of the enemy. What are we authorized to do? Cast them out. Cast them out of your mind. Cast them out of your home. Cast them out of your fears. Cast them out of somebody who's manifesting a demon. Just cast it out. Interesting that Mark's gospel records the very first sign for the believer is not joy. Thankfully, we have it. It's not peace. Thankfully, we have it. It's a demonstration of our supreme authority over the former principality. That's our domain. That's our authorization. And if we can cast out demons that do weaken the nations, well, certainly we can make our family stronger. If we have authority over the demons that weaken the nations, that's what Isaiah says, certainly we can cast out the little demon buffeting our home, our marriage, our mind, our body, our job, our career, our attitude. Certainly, rather than marching and burning a city to the ground, we could maybe go to prayer and affect something in the spirit realm. Marching and burning cities to the ground, that's a peasant's revolt. It's an ignoramus's revolt because you don't understand the forces at play. But we're spiritual. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, might, dominion, spiritual wickedness, heavenly, the big guys. That's what we do. Figure out all the domains of your life and then judge yourself on an A, B, C, D, F scale, how well am I using my authority in that domain? What's the fruit of that domain? Do I take care of my home? God's given me a good apartment. He's given me a nice car. Do I use my authority to keep that thing clean and maintained? How's my checkbook? Is it balanced? Do I have a budget? He's given me money. He's given me 40 grand a year. Is it budgeted? Can I show the Lord what I did with all of his money? Or does it come and go and I'm waiting for another government check? The solution to inflation is not more fake money. <laughs> Amen. The solution to all of our problems is dominion and authority and not being lazy. This is why this is not a successful or popular story because it means you have to do something. This nation used to know how to do something. Now all we know how to do is complain and blame. And if all you do is complain and blame, you'll never go anywhere and you won't be fit for heaven. So figure out your domains. Figure out the authority in each of those domains, and then do what God wants you to do. It's going to take W-O-R-K, but that's how we build the kingdom. Amen?